Bestbookbits.com presents Cooked, a natural history of transformation by Michael Pollan. In Cooked, Michael Pollan explores the previous uncharted territory of his own kitchen. Here he discovers at the enduring power of the four classic elements, fire, water, air, and earth, to transform the stuff of nature into delicious things to eat and drink. Apprenticing himself to a succession of culinary masters, Pollan learns how to grill with fire, cook with liquid, bake bread, and ferment everything from cheese to beer. The effects of not cooking are similarly far-reaching. Relying upon corporations to process our food means we consume large quantities of fat, sugar, and salt. Disrupt our essential link to the natural world and weaken our relationships with family and friends. In fact, Cooked argues taking back control of cooking may be the single most important step anyone can take to help make the American food system healthier and more sustainable. Reclaiming cooking as an act of enjoyment and self-reliance, learning to perform the magic of these things every day, transformations opens the door to a more nourishing life. The written and audio summary can be found on our website, bestbookbits.com. So without further ado, I bring the summary of Cooked. Book summary. What's in it for me? Learn how cooking transformed what it means to be a human. What makes us human? Is it that we can speak and sing? Other animals can also do these things. Or is it that we are empathetic? Probably not, as other animals show empathy too. The one thing that makes us human is a curious combination of fire and pot. Humans cook. This seemingly simple act has played an enormous role in shaping our history. By learning how to cook, Humans as a species have thrived, achieving things we would never have been able to achieve had we stuck to a basic foraging diet. This book summary walk you through humanity's kitchen, examining pots and pans and ovens and grills that together have helped create history. In this book summary, you'll discover why there's a connection between cooking less and eating poorly why consuming a cooked egg is healthier than eating a raw one, and how yeast transforms society's relationship with grain. Summary Part 1, Cooking Food Makes Raw Ingredients More Digestible and More Nutritious for Humans. Some people think that raw food diets represent a return to nature, a healthier way to live, but such logic is off base. If we didn't cook food, we'd spend a ton of time chewing it. For humans to live well consuming just raw food, we would need a much larger gut and more powerful jaws. Our ape-like ancestors did have these traits, but they came with a trade-off. Primatologist Richard Rangham hypothesized that before early humans began to cook, they spent over half their day chewing their food. We can witness this today with chimpanzees that like to eat meat, but don't cook. When a chimpanzee eats raw meat, it has to chew for a long time, technically leaving little time to hunt, not nearly enough time to properly support a carnivorous diet. Regarding expanded calories, eating hard to digest food is costly. For many species, the calories expanded in digestion are nearly equal to the calories needed to move around. Here's where cooking food makes a difference. Cooking alters the composition of food both physically and chemically, making it more nutritious and easier to digest. When we cook a protein-rich food like meat, the heat works to unravel the structure of the meat proteins, unlocking the energy within. These new weakened protein structures are easily digested by the enzymes in the human stomach. When you boil an egg, for example, 90% of the cooked egg is digestible. A raw egg, in contrast, is only 65% digestible by the human gut. The same rule applies to many other foodstuffs. The more food is cooked, 
the easier it is for your gut to absorb the nutrients stored in the food. Another benefit of cooking is that it makes food safer to eat. Some plants like the root cassara, a staple of South American cuisine, is toxic when raw. Once cooked, it is safe to eat, nutritious and easily digested. Cooking also works to preserve food, thus raw meat that would spoil quickly remains edible for a longer period once it's cooked. Summary Part 2 What do smoked bacon, mushrooms, kelp and anchovies have in common? They express umami. Lots of people will gladly add bacon to just about anything, but why has bacon become so popular? The recent obsession with this cured pork product is inspired by the human affinity for a unique taste also present in mushrooms, meaty broths, and dried anchovies. It's called the fifth taste, or umami. Here's how umami was discovered. For some time, scientists held that there were four tastes the human tongue could register. Bitter, sweet, sour, and salty. Since 1908, however, Japanese researchers have recognized a fifth taste, umami. At the turn of the century, chemist Kukuni Aikida was studying the snowy crystals that formed on dried kelp, or kumba. The Japanese used kombu as an ingredient for soup stock, among other dishes. To his surprise, Aikida made a curious discovery. What he found was glutamate, the taste of which didn't quite fit in the existing taste categories. So Aikida coined the sensation as umami, roughly translated as pleasant, savory taste. It wasn't until 2001 when US scientists studying taste receptors on the human tongue found one specifically for glutamate, thus cementing the idea in the West of umami as a fifth taste. But while glutamate is the basis of many distinctly flavoured foods, when consumed on its own, it's neither tasty or flavourful. Rather, umami happens when glutamate is combined with other flavours. Umami is also associated with the texture of certain foods. For instance, liquids such as soup broth that contain flavouring consistent with umami taste can feel thicker on the tongue. So while glutamate is a key for to the expression of umami in food, two other molecules also influence umami flavours. Innocent is found in fish and guanosine in mushrooms. You probably experience umami when you add fish sauce to a steaming bowl of Vietnamese pho or porcini mushroom stock to a creamy risotto. Traditional Japanese soup stock uses foods that contain all these three molecules, a vertebral umami explosion. Summary part three, the move to a convenience foods post-war led to a gradual but consistent decline in healthy eating. Just 20% of the money households spend on food is directed to the people who produce the food. So where does the rest of that money go? America's food industrial complex consists of more than just massive farms. This system is made up of the food manufacturers, advertising executives, and marketers, which decades ago worked to create a surplus of industrial processed food. This quickly became the basis of the American diet. After World War II, the food manufacturers that supplied rations to the US troops abroad needed a market for their products. As a result, canned dinners, dehydrated potatoes, and instant coffee became the staple for convenience foods in the 1950s America. Praised as innovative, convenience foods also created problems. As people gave up cooking fresh foods, diets became less healthy overall. Why exactly? Processed ingredients, ready-made meals, and fast foods are usually less healthy than fresh food. It's far cheaper for a company to create processed foods by piling sugar, fat, and salt 
onto a base of corn or soybean material that is for a farmer to grow whole natural foods. Processed food is thus both big business and big money. Aside from being unhealthy to eat, processed food poses another problem for society. Because it's so easy to obtain and consume, we eat more processed foods than whole foods because it's more convenient. Popping a frozen pizza in the oven is far easier than making the dough and tomato sauce yourself. And if you had to mix the ingredients for every soda you guzzled, you'd probably drink far less. In fact, the connection between the abandonment of cooking and unhealthy eating is so pronounced that time spent in the kitchen is inversely correlated to obesity levels. In 2003, Harvard Economicus performed a study that looked at how people cook in different cultures. They found that the more time people spend preparing food in the kitchen, the less obese they were overall. What's more, the economists discovered that the time people spent in a kitchen cooking was a better indicator of obesity levels than was the income or a country's percentage of women in the workforce. Summary part four, the process of fermenting and baking dough unlocks nutrients, making bread a needed staple. Whether eating out or cooking at home, the sandwich remains the most common American meal. And what's more important for making a sandwich than the bread? Bread has become a staple of the American diet for many reasons. When humans learned to make bread, they tapped into a massive energy stores previously locked up in grasses and grains. Our Paleolithic ancestors used to eat the seeds of wild grasses, the only part of the plant that the stomach can immediately digest. Those same early societies began cultivating the seed plants for food, harvesting bigger, more nutritious seeds. With time, they found that, that by mashing, roasting, or soaking the seeds, the food was more filling and sustaining. This seed mush was also cooked on a hot surface as a sort of unleavened bread. Later in Egypt, around 4000 BC, a simple bowl of seed mush left in a warm place started to bubble, its contents expanding with air, while yeast in the mush had begun to process of fermentation. A curious cook put the fermented dough in an oven, thus creating the first loaf of leavened bread. This discovery was a culinary game changer. Bread is far more nutritious than the sum of its parts. The process of fermentation and the baking releases nutrients inaccessible in raw ingredients. While a diet of raw wheat flour could sustain a person for a short time, a person can live on baked bread. Nutrient density isn't the only reason bread became a staple. Bread represents a smart use of energy. Grasses such as wheat, barley, oats and spelt covered some 65% of the earth's surface absorbing the sun's rays and transforming them into energy through a process called photosynthesis. These grasses are the food the animals we in turn eat. Yet animals at the end of this food chain miss out on a lot of the original plant-based energy. When one animal eats another animal, only 10% of what the prey has consumed is accessible to the predator as energy. The other 90% has essentially been used by the prey. Think of it this way. It's as if you had 10 pounds of wheat to eat, but threw 9 pounds in the trash, consuming sources of energy lower down on the food chain, such as plants and seeds, is thus more efficient. This is why there are more herbivores in nature than carnivores. Summary part 5, industrial baking and the sweet taste of white bread has sapped loaves of any nutritional content. 
Americans get around 20% of their calories from wheat, which in itself isn't problematic. However, 95% of the wheat we consume comes in the form of white flour, which has little nutritional content. In fact, eating white flour isn't much different than eating pure sugar. The human craving for white bread is nothing new, but the industrial methods by which white bread is produced certainly are. For ancient Greeks and Romans, white bread was a prized commodity. Back then, when spoiled food and diseases were common, whiteness was an indicator of cleanliness and wholesomeness. White bread was also both sweeter and easier to chew than whole grain bread, an important consideration at a time when dental hygiene wasn't widely practiced and people often lost their teeth early in life. Although white bread was prized in certain societies, the transition to pure white bread came in the 19th century with the invention of roller mills. These machines completely separated the undesirable germ and bran from a wheat seed, leaving just the starch behind. Removing the germ and bran, or the color and texture of wheat seed, also removed the most nutritious parts of the seed where vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants are found. The results of our growing taste for and consumption of white flour were evident at the beginning of the 20th century, as communities showed increased signs of malnourishment, diabetes, and heart disease. Because of the increasing health problems, the government encouraged industrial bread producers to begin fortifying white bread with nutrients. In the 1940s, companies such as Continental Baking Company and Wonder Bread began adding B vitamins to white bread. Gradually, companies started to add bran back to the bread, creating whole grain loaves. Yet the result still isn't nutritionally comparable to bread made with the whole wheat. Even worse, many of these whole grain loaves are loaded with additives and sugar to make them taste sweet like white bread. Summary part six, microbes are not only essential to fermentation, but critical to keeping your gut healthy. If extraterrestrials came to study humans on Earth, they might conclude that we are some type of superorganism as hundreds of different species cohabitate each human body. These countless organisms perform essential functions without us even being aware. We really are superorganisms composed primarily of microbes. Some nine-tenths of the cells in our body are those of microbial species, and the vast majority live in your gut. As a result, 99% of our DNA in our, your body is microbial DNA. When you think about it that way, you're basically a vehicle for colonies of microscopic species. With that in mind, perhaps you'd like to know what they're up to. The main role of microbes is to serve as external digesters, breaking down food so your body can better absorb nutrients. Microbes are also essential in the process of fermentation. The list of foods we love that wouldn't exist without microbes include cheese, coffee, bread, beer, and chocolate, to name a few. Nearly every culture on the planet uses the process of fermentation in one way or another to create edible foods. Yet as we sterilize more and more of the foods we eat, we're losing the potential health benefits that microbes can provide. Modern medicine has encouraged the overuse of antibiotics, which indiscriminately kill off microbes in the stomach. Good and bad. And those bright green pickles on the supermarket, they're sterile, which is a shame. Naturally fermented foods have been shown to improve digestion, counteract inflammation, strengthen the immune system, and even fight cancer, all by increasing the microbial diversity of the gut. For centuries, humans have known that fermented foods are healthy. For example, when Captain Cook embarked on a two-year sea voyage, he took along a supply of sauerkraut to feed his crew 
and compact scurvy, we now know why this worked, as sauerkraut is packed with vitamin C. Summary Part 7. Humans and animals like enjoy a stiff drink, but some fermented foods are an acquired taste. When the fruit of the duran tree drops to the ground and begins to rot, it's only a matter of time before visitors of all shapes and sizes gather to reap the spoils. Among them are tigers, wild pigs, and rhinos, all seeking that spontaneously fermented alcohol that this process produces. Alcohol is the most popular fermented food, not just across cultures, but also the animal kingdom. While humans are the only animal that make alcohol, although there have been reports of monkeys in China fermenting fruit to drink the alcoholic result, many animals have it made for them. For instance, the Bertram palm in Malaysia produces a daily supply of fermented flower buds for the pentailed tree strew. The little rodent slurps from each flower as it flits from palm to palm, pollinating the trees. In studies, chimps and rats have also been found to be liquor enthusiasts, although their drinking habits differ. If you put a chimp in an all-you-can-drink situation, that's precisely what it would do. Rats, on the other hand, act more like humans, enjoying an Arab riff before dinner and another at the day's end. They then process to get ludicrously drunk together about twice a week. Other species also drink socially, and the reason for this behavior is simple. A single drunk animal is an easy mark for predators. While we all seem to enjoy a drink, a taste for other fermented foods is often culturally determined. Korean kimchi, Icelandic pickled shark, and aged French cheese are all fermented foods with strong flavors for which people acquire a taste as children. Outsiders who encounter these foods later in life often have a strong positive or negative reaction to them. One powerful example comes from World War II, when American troops were ordered to burn down a series of warehouses in Normandy, thinking they contained sinking corpse, stinking corpses. In reality, their culturally unadapted noses has misidentified huge stores of typically pungent camembert cheese. In review, cooked book summary. The key messages in this book. Cooking is more than a hobby, a chore, or a lively career path. It's a defining trait of the human race. However, the more we're placed cooking in the hands of corporations, the less wholesome and pleasurable our food has become. Actionable advice. Try your hand at fermentation. Have a go at baking a fresh loaf of bread, pickling a jar of vegetables, or even making mead from honey. Even the simplest act of fermentation can elucidate the mystery of this natural process all the while filling you with a wonder at its infinite possibilities. And that's a wrap on the book summary of Cooked by Michael Pollan. Check out a YouTube channel with over 500 book summaries uploaded previously. If you're into the audio and written book summaries, check out bestbookbits.com where you'll find over 500 written book summaries in categories from biographies, business and marketing, habits, health, leadership, money, personal development, philosophy, psychology, real estate, relationship, sales, spirituality, success, time management, and travel. If you're into the audio version, check out mixcloud.com forward slash bestbookbits, where you'll find the podcast version over for 500 audiobook summaries to listen to at your pleasure. Follow us on Instagram at bestbookbits for daily motivational quotes and book summaries. Thanks for watching and listening. Hope you got something out of this. Take care, have a great day, and go out there and cook. Bye-bye now.